0: Okay, so we have now, continuing our storyline, Billam has now already twice tried to curse the Jews, and each time instead, these brachos come into his mouth. The bullock says, I have an idea, let me take you to a certain place, maybe you'll be able to curse them from there. So Rashi says, based on the construction of the son- sentence, this phrase, the kabosi, can't be a command like we said before yesterday because he's prophesying it by saying maybe, so it has to be future tense. So he takes him to Rosh Pa'ar because he saw from this place the Jews are gonna something really bad is happening to the Jews, which of course was the whole mice with Pa'ar, not his wannabe curses, something bad, but not what he thought he was seeing. As Rashi concludes that many people like this. They see, but they don't really know what they're seeing. So then Bilaam says to Beluk again, third time, let's build the seven altars, offer on each one the bull and the ram. And Bilaam says, like, this is pointless. I'm going to go and see if Hashem maybe is going to let me curse on my see He doesn't want to do that. So instead, I'm not going to do that. He's just looking towards the desert. So Rashi says that Balaam sees there's no point. This is not a good time. Hashem is not in this space to want to curse the Jews. So I'm not going to do what I did the past two times of like going to Hashem and trying to get the spirit of prophecy. Instead, I'm going to be looking at the desert, i.e. mentioning the sin of Egel of the golden calf. And then on its own, just by mentioning the sins, the curses will come. So Bilam lifts up his eyes and he sees the Jews settled with their shvatim, and the spirit of Hashem rests on him. So raise his eyes, Rashi says. Here we have the third of his really horrific midos. Here's the third one: the evil eye that Bilam now wants to put on the Jewish people, the false vanity, and the greed. But it didn't happen; Hashem didn't let. Instead, he sees each of the shvatim dwelling themselves, not mingling. He saw the entrances of the tents didn't face each other, not to look into another person's private business. And the spirit of Hashem rested normally we would think that means prophecy, but here that's not what happened, so obviously that's not what it means. But the spirit of Hashem meaning he has this good, positive, warm, fuzzy feeling inside of him for a very short amount of time, not to curse the Jewish people. So now he begins his words. And he says, "So speaks Bilam binobaar. Baar." Bilam ben Baar. So it means Bilam ben Baar. Bilam, the son of Baar. And as we learned yesterday, sometimes the Chumash does this. We had the same thing: Balak ben Zippor. Balak, his son is Zippor. No, it's Balak ben Zippor. He's Balak, the son of Zippor. But the Medrash is a really weird construction, though it's stylistic of the Chumash to add that. Above. But the Medrash says that what it's doing actually is implying. Bilam, his son, Ba'ar, though Ba'ar is obviously his father, because of the immorality that was happening in this situation here. And as we're seeing from the idea of him, Balak, being greater than his father, Sipor, in royalty, because Balak was a king and his father wasn't, and Bilam being greater than his father, but are in prophecy. And now he describes himself shesum ayin of the open-socketed eye. What does that mean? Rashi gives two different explanations which come to the same point. Either it's open-socketed, meaning it's open and empty because the eyeball is gone, so he's blind in that eye, which is open, or open eye, meaning that one eye is open. He's seeing from an eye, but he should be seeing from eyes. So the fact that it says Shasumha ayin and that naim, that the eye is open and seeing, and not the eyes, means the other eye was blind. So in both interpretations, Bilam is seeing from one eye. The question is, is it Shisham Ayin means the blind eye that's open, or Shisham Ha'ayim means the seeing eye, and the other one is messed up. And our Abundant say, why, why did Bilam become blind in an eye? Because what he just said, that Hashem is watching and counting all the zera of the Jewish people to find that, potential child that will be such a saint. And Bilam's like, this is what God does. He looks at such things. So therefore Hashem said in punishment to that, blinding his eye. Continuing to describe himself, he says, so says the one who hears what Hashem says, who sees visions of Hashem fallen with opened eyes. So what's fallen? So the uncle says fallen because he's lying down, because Hashem only comes to him at night. But well, we could say it's not a good enough answer, because then the passage should say, lying down, it said, fallen. So the other answer is, when Hashem is revealing himself to him, Bilam doesn't have the strength to stand, and he falls. Why? Because he's uncircumcised. He never had a bris mila, and it's disgusting to Hashem, for the person to be standing in front of him uncircumcised. So he makes him so overwhelmed with the godliness that he's literally going to be fallen. And now we have the beautiful words, Hashem put in Milam's mouth here, Yaakov, Mishkan Yisrael, How good are your tents, Yaakov, your dwelling place, Yisrael? How good are your tents? So as we said before, because their, their entrances are not facing each other, Mishken Osecha, your camps, or how good are your tents, meaning the two special, special tents of the Jews, the tent at Shiloh, the Mishkan Shiloh that lasted for 369 years, and that ultimate tent, Ves HaMikdash, how beautiful are those tents and your mishkanosach? How beautiful are they even in their destruction? Why are they beautiful in their destruction? Because mishkan, temple, is like mashkon collateral. That it says that when Hashem destroyed the temple, because the Jewish people sinned. So he's taking the mishkan as a mashkon. He's taking the temple as a security that. God would take his wrath out on the Jewish people, not on the buildings. I'm sorry. I just said exactly backwards. (laughs) That God is taking his wrath on the building instead of taking it on the Jewish people. And now, Bilim begins all these beautiful bruchos here. They stretch forth like streams, like gardens by the river, like this beautiful tree that Hashem has planted, like cedar trees by the river she says from the curses from the blessings we see what he wanted to curse them because what God did was whatever was in his mouth got turned upside down so Bill is saying all these beautiful brachas which are very nice but if you think backwards you understand what horrible curses he wanted to say that Hashem didn't let and therefore became Turned down to be these beautiful blessings. Like when billam is saying here how the beautiful houses of Torah and synagogues, because he really wanted to say that we shouldn't have places of Torah, we shouldn't have pl- places of prayer, when he's saying how God's presence is resting on us, it's because he wanted to say God's presence shouldn't rest on us when he's saying the kingdom is like the springs, because he wanted to say the kingdom shouldn't last long. And so too with all of that, if you look at every beautiful blessing here, just turn it upside down, inside out, and you see the horrible curses that Bilaam wanted to give the Jewish people. So kaahalim, like the Targum renders it, a certain type of tree, that nata Hashem, that God planted in the Garden of Edom, Or, instead of it meaning a tree, planted in the garden, the tent that we're planting here are the heavens. The heavens are planted, are stretched tight like this tent. And then it says, which Hashem has planted. So wait, if we're talking about a tent, why are we talking about planting? If we're talking about trees, we plant trees. Do we plant tents? And Rashi says, "Yeah." The Chumash uses the word planting for tents as well as trees. Another beautiful pasach of brachos, water flows out from his buckets, his seed will have an abundant flow, his king will be greater than a gang, his monarchy will be uplifted, which again, each of these things, put them in the inverse, and you see the horrible curses. So the buckets, the water will flow from his buckets, meaning from the wells, or Rashi says, as the Targum interprets imp- it, it doesn't just mean a, to be a lot of water, but it means a great king will come forth from him and rule over so many people. His sea will have an abundant flow, success like the sea planned to be for water. His king will be greater than Agag. This means their first king, which is King Sheol, who's conquering Agag, the king of Amalek. His he should be uplifted, the monarchy of ultimately of David, of King David, of King Solomon, all of the real monarchy that lasted hundreds and hundreds of years. Our land could be destroyed, but not our monarchy. That's stays. And continuing in the next verse, God who brought him out from Egypt has shown his great strength to him, He'll consume his enemy nations, crushing their bones, and dip his arrows in their blood. Hmm. So God brought them out of Egypt. So why are we saying this? Because we're saying, who made them so special? Who made them so powerful? God. God took them out of Egypt. God put all of his powers on display, taking them out. God is going to do the same and use all of his powers Against any nation that would want to oppress them, so he's crushing the bones. Rashi says of these enemies, crushing. Rashi gives two explanations here. Either means breaking, or we're saying the bone, because we're implying something that you like consume in eating, that you're stripping the flesh around it with your teeth and you're leaving the bone exposed, that's how the, God forbid, we have this destruction again. Think of it in the opposite. He's dipping his arrows in their blood. So, Rashi explains here, the Ba'alei which means the one who possesses arrows, means the same idea as like a portion, a half. They're going to apportion their land, meaning from the portion of the oppressors of the Jewish people that are in Israel, the Jews will apportion their land. Or, we could take it more simply, so to speak, and, and says chitzab, instead of meaning portioning out, is literally meaning arrows. that the arrows of God will be stained with the blood of the enemies. He's crouching and lying like a lion and being like a lion who dares rouse him. Those who bless you are blessed, and those who curse you are cursed. So what does this mean? He crouches and lies like a lion. So as Unculus explains this, that no kingdom will move them. They're going to settle in their land. Strength and power. Oh my gosh! So here we have for the third time, it's getting worse and worse. Bilam keeps giving these gorgeous blessings instead of these horrible curses that he and Bullock want to both say. But again, Bullock's getting really frustrated here. So Balak got so angry at Bilam, he clapped his hands together, which Rashi says means he struck them against each other, and he said, "I called you to curse my enemies, but you blessed them three times." Now go back home. I said I would honor you, but God held back from you. Honor, I'm honoring you for blessing them. My gosh. So Balaam said to Balak, "I told you this. Even if Bullock will give me his house full of silver and gold, you see how greedy he was. That's what he wanted. I can't transgress the word of God to do good or evil. Only what God wants. I don't think I'm be able to speak." Now Rashi points out that originally, when he had said this statement before. He said, I can't transgress the word of my God. But here he doesn't say my God anymore because he knows that at this point, again, don't get fooled by the blessings. He is on the exact same page in Bollock and actually worse. He hates them even more. So he knows at this point he is so despised by God for what he has done. God cut him off. He's not his God anymore, so to speak. God doesn't want anything to do with it. Have a good chat